welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. I'd like to welcome Mitch Cleary to the podcast to discuss the recent AFL trade period. How you doing, Mitch? Pete, thanks for having me on board. Going well. How are you? Very well. After a lackluster couple of years for the AFL trade period, this year you did see some big names move clubs. It was great. Uh, no COVID restrictions, so players were able to come and go and meet clubs a bit freer, but I think Ultimately, clubs were able to get their salary caps in a, in a better situation after a, a couple of years of deferred payments and having to look after their existing players. So mm. it was exciting, uh, plenty of movement, and uh, it's always good when there's some big names with new homes. Uh, clubs don't have the right to trade any player they like, but it seems uh, players are more willing to be part of that conversation now that provides greater opportunity and greater financial security. Your thoughts there? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's probably two different examples here, isn't there? With Grundy this year, with the money that he was on at Collingwood, um, you know, looking back now and reading all the commentary from, from Collingwood's end, from Brody's own um, own statement, I'd love to put a few questions to him myself, but you get the sense that Collingwood went to him and his management pretty early this season and, and said that it's probably not working with the money you're on uh, and the distribution distribution of our salary cap that we, we sort of need to look at some options. Um, so that's one example where a contracted player was sort of asked by his club to, to move. And then you've got the Jacob Hopper one where it, I get the feeling that it was a bit more mutual where the Giants sort of felt that his money out the door was going to be uh, beneficial. But also Jacob, I think, saw himself down the track, probably moving as a free agent anyway. So the Giants were able to to cash in now. I guess the question is now, let's say Hopper had have stayed for, for 12 months and moved as a pure free agent as opposed to, to moving as the, the pre-agent like he did this year. Yeah. Had the Giants finished bottom four, his, 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 his money and his, his contract probably sees them get a, a first-round compo yeah. pick as a free agent. So it's a, it's a bit of a balancing act that clubs find themselves in. But um, back to your original question, I, I think... Um, we're seeing more and more um, players, especially with decent management groups, um, sort of get their head around that even though I am contracted, it might be best for me to, to look elsewhere for the for the betterment of my club. Yeah, and then, then we get into the news last week is that the AFL have announced an extra round of footy uh, next mm. season. Do you think we are just looking at one official practice match and one club arranged games? And what do you think that does to, you know, the extra game of footy that players need to take on over the course of the season? Uh, could there be any sort of load management situations where, the, you know, uh, well, we did say with Geelong this year, resting players, you know, I mean, that, that could come into play with that extra game. And then the other aspect there is that if we're going to five interchange, that can be sort of managed a little bit better with regard mm. to the game time. But if they stick with the four plus the one sub at any time, you know, the clubs might choose to actually rest players straight up. Yeah, I think we're going to know more about the, the sub and the bench situation this week when the competition committee meets. Yeah, it is going to be interesting with the extra game. I think we've always been a copycat league in the AFL, and, and people and clubs will take more out of what Geelong did this year, especially mm. teams in contention, uh, and they were able to, to get their players cherry ripe. But I still remember a couple of years ago, there was a, a final series, I reckon it would have been two or three years ago, where... Geelong has refused to rest Selwood and Ablett. Ablett did his hamstring, and you could see the writing on the wall for a while that, gee, they've been saying they're going to rest Ablett, and they never did. But this yeah. year, Geelong actually put their money where their mouth was and, and rested these guys. And that, they may have taken a bit of a hit, a hit, but it just showed the quality in that squad. Back to your question on the practice games. I think we will see that. Probably one official practice match. Uh, maybe some of those situations where... Um, 
clubs have training sessions and, and maybe a bit more match simulation as opposed to pure practice match with that second game. Like you, you see, you used to see Geelong and North Melbourne with, through the Scott brothers, you know, have a bit of a match simulation. You, know, you might see that this year with Geelong yeah. and Essendon with the, the Scott brothers or, or something like that. But um, putting all that aside, it's fascinating because extra game the, the league said oh we're going to take one out of the, the pre-season and add it to the extra season it doesn't mean clubs are going to be any less ready for round one they're going to be chips in come round one that knowing that that there is four premiership points on the line so it's easy to say that you're taking one pre-season game and it's adding it into the season but it is a taxing year already and it's yep. going to be a long long season when clubs uh, you know come come first week of march second week of march they're, they're all ready for round one so especially with the shortened pre-season now uh, you know speaking to a couple of clubs I expect a lot of the five plus year players to return with the the uh, one to four year players in the next fortnight, yep. um, because it is a long, long break. If you're a team that missed finals, look at Carlton. Um, by the time they come back for for, for, for preseason, it's going to be eleven or twelve weeks since they lost that game to Collingwood. It's a long time, yep. and with the shorter preseason, they're going to have to cram a lot in um, to get ready for round one with the extended uh, home and away season. And just even I listened to a Lockie Neal interview just this week, just gone by, and it's every season uh, that you hear this. Uh, doesn't really matter what time what time of the year it is said, but it is generally said is that you know the, the importance in preseason of setting a base, you know, and being fit and getting through preseason quite healthy is you know prepares you for the upcoming season. Yep, couldn't agree more. And look at Geelong's team; they didn't have too many. You know, you go to the premiers. They didn't have too many niggling injuries through the preseason last year. Sam Menegola was one, and he uh, didn't get up for for the season uh, proper. Really, he had a few interruptions throughout the season. Even though he probably was best twenty-two player. So, yeah, the best teams get their best players in the park in December and January, and um, it's a pretty critical time of the year. Yeah, Mitch Duncan, I can remember, was one. I think he missed round one yeah. or, or something like that. And uh, That's true. Yeah, they were patient. And even throughout the years, you know, Patrick Dangerfield, they were really conservative. And and then, and from Geelong's point of view, you, you did say it's, a, it's pretty much a copycat league. And I expect, you know, most clubs, if not all, to follow is that you're really conservative with bringing players back. Um and, mm. you know, Max Holmes into the grand final is that, you know, he, he could have played that grand final and it probably wouldn't have mattered if he, you know, did his hammy in the first minute. But, you know, yeah. they were really conservative and said, no, nah, we've been, we've held this line all year and that's what we're going to do. Yeah. No, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see um, what happens with those, like you said, those players like a, a Dangerfield, they probably rested in for an extra two or three weeks longer than they, they could have in previous years. And it, it uh, you know, came to fruition late yeah, in the year. Absolutely. Paid off. It was awesome in the finals, absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's talk some players, Mitch. So uh, we firstly kick off with Tim Taranto and Jake Hopper landing at Richmond. Should see strong midfield usage for both. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're stars of the competition, uh, A-grade players who are, who are pure mids. I just look at Taranto and think, do they use him in that dusty role or that? You know, I know we yeah. like to, 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 to phrase things, but... When he went forward at the Giants in Green's absence, he did prove that he could play forward in parts. Yep. And you've got a lot of guys to fit through there, don't you? With Prestia still a star at Richmond. Um, Cochin, if he's playing on, I don't expect him to play all 23 games now, um, as it is. But um, he, he's over his career, a bit like Joel Selwood. They've used him in different areas, but I think he's still a set of bounce mid, and I think he's still a pure midfielder. So you've got a, 
You've got to work through that. Then you've got Shea Bolton, and I think if you've got Taranto, Hopper, and Prestia, yes, Prestia's got a bit of burst, but and those guys do have their own burst in areas, but I think you need a little bit of zip and a bit of different change of direction through there. So I expect Shea Bolton to still have big minutes through the midfield. So out of those guys, I think Hopper will play higher midfield minutes than Taranto, who might play a little bit more forward. Yep. Jack Rewalt probably goes into his last year as a forward. Um, Dusty, where does he fit into the whole mix? And then you've got Tom Lynch as well. So I expect Taranto to play some minutes forward. You could even see a scenario where it's Taranto and Dusty swapping forward mid. That wouldn't shock me. Um, yep. Because they're going to have a lot more reliance on those guys um, those those midfielders to kick goals and rest forward, given Rewalt's into the quality of his career, and and um, I guess their only other key focal point is Tom Lynch. Fail to mention Noah Cumberland, who's looks like a good player and a nice handy third or fourth option, but I think uh, you're going to need to get goals there at Toronto. It's a big, it's a really big, strong um, change in a midfield combination. Uh, we haven't seen that for a while at a, at a club where you know they've brought in two uh, excellent midfielders. Mm. Oh, I agree. It's going to be interesting to the, their dynamic. Kane Lambert retired, which was um, probably a little bit underrated throughout the season. Um, so there's a role there for that ball that pushes up through the midfield. Maybe you see Taranto play a bit of that. But then Jack Graham stays. Yeah. And I think he deep down wanted to, or, or was at least entertaining a trade of the power, but the power had other priorities with Jason Horn francis So do we see him more on a wing, um, pushing up as that half forward that just runs all day? Richmond's midfield is going to be a, a super fascinating watch this year. Yep. All right, on to the next one. Carl Amon uh, set to maintain a wing role at Hawthorne. Your thoughts there? I think so. Uh, I do like to see them get maybe CJ and, and Will Day up onto a wing as well. Every time I hear Carl Amon speak, and I know, Pete, you consume a stack of media, he likes to talk about his inside and outside games. So yep. with, with um, Mitchell and O'Meara going... I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they do use him inside a little bit. Remember when Tom Phillips came in at the Hawks? I know it was under a different coach, but we saw him. So they tried to use him as a bit of an inside in his first year, and they realised that he probably was a pure mid, a pure winger. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if we see a little bit of Carl Amon at centre bounds, especially with their um, with their Newcombs, their Warples, their, their Cooper Stevens. Now, Josh Ward adds a nice bit of dash, so does Conor McDonald. So, yeah, yeah I, I could see Amon picking up a few centre bounce uh, attendances as part of his role at the at the, uh, the Hawks, but I think he's a, a better wingman than he is centre bounce midfielder. On to uh, Fremantle. Uh, they traded uh, Blake Akers, and he should lock down a wing role at Carlton. I think so. I think that's just locked and loaded. Um, I, I was there when he played for the Dockers against the Dogs in that elimination final at Optus, and he was awesome. He's a good, really good winger in the AFL system, gives you a chop out down the line, runs all day, can distribute going forward. I think he's a prototype wingman in the AFL, and I think he's a great addition to Carlton and exactly what they needed. So props to them for identifying him, getting him, and not having to pay through the roof for him. Just on the Dockers aspect, it is interesting because they get Jager O'Meara for Blake Akers, essentially, when you you know, it might be a bit of give and take either way, but is Akers more of an important role to Fremantle than what Jager will play? I'd argue probably yes, in that his wing role. I know they've got some Liam Henry types and Mason O'Driscolls that will come through there at the Dockers, but yeah. I think Blake Akers is a pretty important player for them, so that may be a bit of a hole for the Dockers to, for them to fill. Yeah, and back on to Carlton. So Akers locks down uh, one side of the ground, and then you'll get another player uh, probably to be determined at this stage to lock down the other side of the wing. So I, I, I kind of expect, you know, we did see Sam Walsh uh, 
do the, you know, start forward and move into the midfield, move up all the way up the end of the ground and just in general playing, just move back down and through the midfield there. So I, I might expect that, you know, Sam Walsh goes back into that middle a little bit this year, which would be really interesting. And, yeah, um, yeah and with Setterfield going there as well. So, you know, and I think, you know, Carlton did have their injuries this year, and I think you, you probably, Michael Voss needs a little bit of a deeper rotation. I think, you know, obviously Sam Walsh is going to be part of that. Your thoughts are... Yeah, I agree. Um, does that mean Adam Cheris fits out to the other wing? Uh, I know Lockie O'Brien is one that they will use there at times, but with Cripps, Hewitt, uh, Walsh playing midfield, um, there's only so many roles there. So I like Cheris as a, as a centre-bounce mid, absolutely. But yeah. does he does he go back out to the wing and, and sort of end up playing that role that he didn't really want to play at Freeman all those years ago? That's going to be interesting. Yeah, and I wonder if... Um Michael Voss does revisit the Williams into the middle. So I wonder if yep. that's even a situation that they could eventuate. So obviously pre-season they come up, so that might be just the one to watch out there for the track yeah. matches, I guess. Yeah, I agree. On to the next one. So Tanner Bruin moves to Geelong. Um, and so it look, for me, it looks to be for greater opportunity in that midfield. But, you know, he's going to have some competition there at Geelong. He is. And getting back to what we originally were discussing with Geelong, I think it's a real squad mentality. I don't think Tanner Bruin plays every game this year, but you've got to remember he's only a third-year player. Um, So there'll be a bit of that wing, a bit of that mid-roll, a bit of that Sean Higgins, even though he didn't play much last year. Um, Yeah, that sort of forward wing mid-roll I can see for Tanner Bruin um, a little bit. But I don't think Geelong have put 2023 on as a ceiling for him. I think it's just another nice piece to to add to their to their rotation. Um, look at their grand final side. Who, who could have predicted that Tom Atkins would come on the way that he did yeah. as a midfielder? And you're looking back to let's say go about the middle part of 2022 when Geelong were, were chips in on, on Jacob Hopper. You look back now and think, yeah, maybe maybe it didn't um, didn't hurt us too much losing out on Hopper because Atkins comes in. Then you get Bruin, uh, Bowes comes in, Holmes to add to that grand final side. Parfitt was the sub as well. And then, um, you know, there's a few different guys um, and Jai Clark if they get him at pick seven. So uh, I think Bruin just add to that whole overall mix. Um, Selwood leaves a gaping hole in the midfield, but I expect that to be taken up by uh, Parfitt and Holmes um, when you look at their grand final side. Yeah, uh, yeah. This morning for Holmes to miss out because um, big fan of, oh, uh, of his game for sure. Already on, on to the next yeah. one. So Ben Long is set for a halfback role at Gold Coast. Now Gold Coast do have injuries in that part of the ground, some long-term injuries, which will come back probably from the midway point of the season next year. But uh, Long set for a halfback to start the year. Yeah, I think uh, that's locked and loaded. Uh, everything Craig Cameron and the Suns have said through a trade period is that he'll take that role, as you mentioned. Lockie Waller injured. Um, Connor Butterick, um, Will Powell. There's a few roles there um, up for grabs. He's never been a high fantasy scorer, has he, been Long? But um, plays that role, and that was something they were obviously identified. They met Jason Johannesson, opted to go down the Ben Long route, and I think he plays 23 games for the Suns next year, and um, adds a little bit of grunt for them off half-back. On to the next one. So we've got Luke Jackson moving to Fremantle. He's, for me, he's likely to play a similar type role, but uh, from what we have listened to from Fremantle, they may explore different roles at times. Yeah, this is going to be so interesting. Like, where does he play? Does he play as a forward ruck? Darcy is, is the number one ruck. I don't think Jackson 
And into 2023, I think we'll see more certain amounts of tendencies than Jackson. So where does that leave him? I think there'll be a hybrid of maybe wing, a bit of forward. He may attend a few centre bounces. Go back to the copycat league. You know, Geelong did it well with Blitzarves. Can, can Jackson play a similar role to Blitzarves? Sort of hang on a wing, um, play a kick behind the ball, um, use his run and distribute forward. I think he's a, he's a nice user of the ball and, um, you know, gets on the end of the footy as that chain handball, similar to what we've seen with some of better, the Brody Grundy's best highlights on the, the chain handball. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see how, that, how this unfolds at the Dockers, but um, you can't forget that Sean Darcy's going to be only better again and he's uh, a really emerging ruckman in his own right. Yeah, definitely a spotlight will be right on Luke Jackson, obviously a high draft pick and a, a highly um, touted move over the off-season there. So let's get on to the next one. So Isaac Rankin moves to Adelaide. So for me, that should come with a little bit of an increase in midfield usage, but mostly he'll play as a small forward. Yeah, I wonder whether he could play a bit of a Shea Bolton role, you know, have an impact forward, hit the scoreboard, um, provide some forward pressure, but then just give them bursts at, at centre bounce. Speaking to a lot of recruiters and, and clubs um, about Isaac Rankin, they loved his championships being able to play as a mid uh, and, and as a forward as well, and the way he takes the game on, it gives him a different mic, different look in that Adelaide midfield. You could argue that they may have been a, a bit flat-footed in that area um, over the last 12 to, to 24 months. So, yeah, I'm keen to see how they use Isaac Rankin. He may need to build his tank over the next year or two, um, but I wouldn't wouldn't shock me if he has a similar role to a to a Shea Bolton. Plays on a half forward, pushes up, gives him a bit of difference, point of difference at some centre bounce. Yeah, and he might flip roles uh, in game with Josh Rochelle, so that could be interesting yeah. as well. Yeah, agree. I uh, can see how he goes. Uh, how exciting was his first six weeks last yeah. year before before injury struck, and, and he'll be only better again after a, a full um, AFL preseason. Yeah, when when opposition teams are sending their best defender to shut down, you know, a guy in his you know first yeah. big AFL games, there's something special about him. So excited to see what he does, injury free. Okay, on to the next one. So Will Setterfield departs Carlton, and he could be a feature in the Essendon midfield. Your thoughts there? Yeah. Oh, Essendon's midfield. Where do you begin? Um, there's so many, so many players that can go there. Oh, looking at the, the, the players that, that go through there, obviously Merritt, they tried at half back a bit, but I think he's a, he's a pure midfielder. Yep. Parrish has shown that he's a, a pure midfielder as well. Dylan Shield hit some good form in the second half of the year. Do you think they just commit to Andy McGrath as a half back? Yep. I reckon. Yep. Um, I think that sort of, I think the, Manny McGrath, pure midfield experiments, probably done and dusted. I think they just relinquish that and, and understand that he's a halfback. So then maybe that set of field um, p- position for him. Look at the wings there. Um, I think they've committed to, to Sam Durham being a, a long-term wingman um, f- for their footy club. Um, there's probably some, some other roles available for a wool set of field to come through there. I don't think on paper right now he's, he's part of their best 22, but I like the fact they have finally... Essendon have finally listened and, and gone to get um, a big-bodied midfielder. Yep. Um, I think Will Serfield will have a role to play there at times this year, but can't see him being a pure mainstay at this stage. Well, we did see it uh, under Ben Rutten. Obviously, we've got uh, Brad Scott there now at Essendon, but we did see um, Jake Stringer start a stack of yeah. dances as that bigger body against like those Patrick Cripps types. And then you got Caldwell, but he's not as uh, he's not as big is what Stringer was. So they you know, almost forced to put uh, Stringer in there. And Setterfield can play as an inside midfielder. So uh, does that, you know, 
put Stringer more forward, but we're going to have to wait and see over pre-season what Brad Scott has plans for him. And, you know, his fitness was an issue and has been for a while for Jake Stringer. I, but, uh, yeah, yeah, interesting that for, for, you know, for me, from what Brad Scott did see at North Melbourne, he locks those hard bodies in and around contests. So, yeah, I'm a yeah. big fan of Setterfield uh, being a part of the Essendon midfield. Your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I, I forgot to mention Ben Hobbs as well yeah. and um, Archie Perkins, who we saw get a little bit more midfield time as the 2022 season went on. So there's plenty of roles there. Um, yeah, I'm probably other way with you at Setterfield, but I do. I think Carlton probably underutilised him uh, and he was just squeezed out with Hewitt and these guys coming in to play those similar roles. So, yeah, Brad Scott, new new coach, new life, uh, who, who sees, but... How many midfielders have we mentioned there? Probably seven or eight. Exactly. Um, yeah, and and not many of them have pure secondary roles. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they juggle all that. Yeah, on to the next one. So after just one year, Jason Horn francis makes the move over to Port Adelaide where he should start to thrive. Uh, obviously, he had some injury concerns recently, but for me, it's just a matter of when. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think with the knee, um, he's had a bit of a clean-out with his knees um, in the last sort of cut fortnight or so. Um, he may have a bit of a delayed start of the season, so maybe we see him start half forward, but his best footy, um, his most damaging footy as a 17, 18-year-old has been as a, as a centre-bounce mid who can, can push forward. Oh, I think this Paul Adelaide midfield mix is, is really exciting, isn't it? Rosie, uh, All-Australian, Butters, the way he came on. Dan Houston, does his midfield sort of output continue in that sort of upwards trend? They've got so many halfbacks at the, the power, and that's yeah. why the Connor McKenna stuff, I heard uh, Michelangelo Rucci talking about it, you know, with Bonner, Burn Jones, Burton. Um, they've got so many guys there. Lockie Jones, um, so many players to use at halfback. If they Berg, were to... Bergman as well. Bergman, yeah. Where yeah. does he flip? Does he, does he come onto a wing and is there a sort of a role there with Amon departing that Bergman yeah. um, could take on? So, yeah, I, I love... Uh, to see where the power go with this, and it's it's probably make or break for Ken Hinckley, even though we've probably said that for the last two or three years. For sure. Alrighty, so you recently spoke with Jack Burrows. Uh, how is his role looking for next season? The cat's tay, and he says that he wants to be a midfielder, but everything we spoke about before with Bruin and, and Holmes and Parfit to come into this side, um, and potentially Jai Clark, if they are to nab him at pick seven, which mm. will go out to pick eight at the draft. Um, I think Jack Bowes may need to bide his time for 12 months, and that not, might not be the worst thing. Uh, the, the, the headlines will be around him in 2023 as to this guy's come in on the, the, the high-profile deal. Where is he? But I look at Geelong in the next 12 months, and I think there's going to be so many roles open up into 2024 and beyond with uh, Isaac Smith, Zach Tui, Mitch Duncan, um, it's quite a few players there that, that roles will open up once they start to, to retire from the game. So I don't think 2023 is the make-all and be-all and end-all for for Jack Bowes. Um, maybe it's he needs to bide his time and, um, you know, he's got a four-year deal, so time is on his side. For sure. Already then we get on to the big one. Brody Grundy moves to Melbourne. Uh, this is extremely interesting for fantasy. This will be a fascinating watch uh, next <laughs> season and beyond. Like, is this a super rock combination? That, yeah, have we actually even seen this before? No, it's, it's hard to remember the last time we did see anything like it. The five-man bench, if that is to be brought in, will make a difference to this, and they'll allow them to maybe play 60% game time each. 
just think second half, you know, you, you might see Grundy attack the first half and you'll have a fresh Max Gorn to take more centre bounces second half. It is going to be really, really damaging uh, proposition clubs. Max Gorn spoke during the week and, and while he did say that, that Grundy or himself may have to play forward, I think there was something that he said um, and, and sort of likening it to the Geelong model that, that sort of pricked my interest in that yeah. we, we may see... Um, one of them start on a wing or even, you know, at half back and that, that they play one sort of takes the rucks in the second back half of the ground and, and one takes the ruck in, in the front half of the ground and they play a bit of that Witsarves Stanley type stuff. Um, that wouldn't shock me if it's, it's, we all think maybe it's going to be forward, but maybe intent, actually deep down Goodwin has a sort of a, a back role for one of them because Max, when he does play behind the footy, um, when Melbourne won their flag, he was really damaging that kick behind the play, um, you know, get down and help out Lever, May and, and Petty. So, um, yeah, keen to see how um, this goes for, for the Ds. But, yeah, the eyes of the footy world will no doubt be on it. Yeah, exactly my thoughts there is that, you know, and you reference back to their premiership year, is that when we watch Melbourne games, Max Gorn, that one kick behind play, Teams just cannot go down the line. They'll, they yeah. are blocked because Max Gorn is just standing there waiting to intercept that mark, which is yeah. great for fantasy. So you put Granny into that mix, you know, there's instead of having Max Gorn in there and you've got you know, pretty much 70% of the game covered, you know, with Grundy in there, he's that type of player as well. So you've pretty much got 100% of the game uh, stuck from an opposition point of view of um, being unable to go down the line. So that's going to force opposition teams to, to alternate. And we did see it through games earlier this year. Obviously, Melbourne started with a 10-game win streak. But, you know, one game against, you know, it was against the Giants, and they just they could not move the ball out of halfback. They just, when they went down the line, it was Melbourne just intercepting. You know, and then you got Stephen May there, that one, yeah. you know, that, that dominant sort of centre-half back type player there as well. And, you know, it just forces teams to go around them, which is actually quite difficult. So, yeah, really interesting there. And I think it's, I'm really fascinated to see how this plays out. But from a fantasy perspective, um, both could chop into each other's um, high ceiling type game. So, yeah, really interesting yeah. to see how that plays out. But, you know, Max Gorn behind the ball, I don't think that's a bad move for Melbourne because that just uh, forces opposition teams to, to alternate their game plan. Already on to the next one, involves Melbourne again. So Lockie Hunter moves to Melbourne and is set to play a wing role opposite Ed Langdon who dominates his side of the ground. So, But more importantly, that likely means that, you know, and we did see it this year, is that Angus Brayshaw into the middle of the ground, and, mm. and, and which will assist Christian Petrarca and Clayton Oliver, and they should be the main three in at centre bounces in 2023 for me. Your thoughts there? Yeah, and you're throwing Jack Viney into that mix as well. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. still love Jack Viney. Um, what does that mean for James Harms? If I'm... I'm James Harms. I'm sitting back thinking, mm, where's my role? Is it is it more of a half forward or a half back now? Because, um, yeah, I think Langdon and Hunter will be locked and loaded on those two wings. Um, Harms sort of played that. It, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like Brayshaw going to the midfield sort of took Harms' minutes yep. um, this year, as after he, basically after he signed that contract. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, you, you still got to get Sparrow through there, who I really like, and I think has got a lot of upside. Um, as a player. So, yeah, the, there is going to be a premium on those Melbourne midfield spots. Um, Luke Dunson's around the mark as well. Maybe more of just a, a stopgap if there is an injury to someone like Jack Viney. Um, 
But yeah, I think those guys you mentioned will be the, the mainstays in that midfield. And, and Lockie Hunter comes in and, yeah, I think you'll see them play 90% wing H, Hunter and Langdon um, on the MCG. For sure. And we move on to another uh, midfield trade situation, which was Josh Dunkley. So he moves to Brisbane, and it's pretty much going to set up a very strong duo with Lockie Neal in that Lions midfield. Pete, can you see how they go, whether it's the new Dunkley and Trelaw, whether the bromance will be yes. uh, alive and well with uh, with Dunkley and Neal? I love it. I think Dunkley can be a centre-bounce mid. He can also push forward. That forward line of Gunston, Danaher, Cameron, Hipwood, Dunkley will be there at times. Did I mention, did I mention Charlie Cameron? Like It is going to be Lincoln McCarthy. Yep. Uh, it's going to be super exciting. That Brisbane midfield next year with Zach Bailey with another year of development into him as well. So you'll have Neil, McCluggage. you'll have Dunkley, McCluggage, um, Berry, his final that he played against Melbourne was super. Yep. Uh, Chris Fagan is going to have all the tools at his disposal. If this is not a top four team next year, the pressure will well and truly on the Brisbane Lions, I think, because they're well set up in both ends of the ground. Maybe a knock on the other key back alongside Eric, uh, sorry, uh, Harris Andrews, yep. whether um, Marcus Adams could, can really come on um, after his concussion battles. Um, but, gee, they, uh, they don't really want for anything, I don't think, Brisbane, and they uh, should be cherry ripe to contend again. So... What I'm thinking could happen is if an opposition teams are still targeting Lockie Neal next season, and he had a fantastic uh, 2022 season, um, for me, you know, that's pretty much, you know, Josh Dunkley could be off the leash here and, and actually be mm. a big performer. So if teams are, lock, are loading into Lockie Neal, uh, Josh Dunkley could just actually go right, uh, run right next year. Yeah, well, absolutely. And he's always been a, a strong fantasy scorer. Um, for him, I think he's always been. Oh, I think the thing that annoyed Dunkley most at the Dogs is when he had to play that ruck role yes. and he won't have to do that um, at the at the line. He's going to be a, a, a midfielder, and uh, that's the vision. He may have knocked back more money um, elsewhere. I, I don't claim to know the deals, but I, I think probably Port would have maybe offered him a bit more money. Um, just looking at the finances and the, the cap room of both teams, that's just a, a hunch. Um, but. Josh Dunkley is a winner and he wants to be in successful teams and he wants to play an impact and I think he'll be able to do that at Brisbane. On to the next one. So Cooper Stevens, uh, late in the trade period for Only Moves Club. So he should see greater opportunities in that midfield with his move to Hawthorne. Yeah, I think so. Um, he probably, I think he had a medical at the start or before he went over to see. So he, it was sort of on the cards um, a little bit for some time. The only thing I would say about this is that Hawthorne's midfield has been a bit flat-footed with, you know, Mitchell, O'Meara, Warple, Newcomb. Traditionally, he's not a he's not a burst from stoppage player. He's a centre bounce midfielder, and he's a, I think he's got, got a lot of upside. Cooper Stevens when he gets on top of his injuries, mm. but can Warple, can Newcomb, can Stevens all play in the same midfield? That's my query. Yep. Um, yeah, and then you've got McGuinness probably playing a tagging role as well. It's an interesting mix for Sam Mitchell. That's where Amon potentially comes in there and, and provides a bit of centre-bounce, point of difference. Um, Josh Ward has got a bit more burst. Um, and then you've got the likes of um, Chad Wingard, who they like to get through there at stages as well. So, Dylan Moore yeah, as well. Dylan Moore, who I'm an unabashed fan of. So yep. uh, I think uh, it's an interesting watch on what happens there. But 
Stevens will play at the Hawks. I just don't know if it'll be all 23 games. So, interesting, Mitchell and O'Meara go out of that Hawthorne team, and we did see in pretty much Sam Mitchell's first entire year is that he did challenge opposition teams with just new and just different uh, tactics. So it's going to be interesting what he does with a less experienced type team. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And do they go all guns out again and leave that back line exposed? I think the back line is their most impressive part of the ground with Sisley, CJ, um, you know, Hardwick still a good player. How do they use Day? Does he push up into a wing? They, actually, that's the other one, mate. They sort of used him at Cinemances a bit throughout 2022 at stages, didn't they? Um, before, before his season, uh, I think he got injured in the end, did he? Um, so, yeah, uh, Hawthorne is a, is a fascinating watch, but I do like the fact they acknowledge that they're not in the finals in, in 2023 and they've just got to, they're happy from the year of development and that might help some of these guys get a bit more game time. Yeah, and what we did see is even late in the year, Sicily moves up the ground, um, but that just yeah. provides opportunities and, and fast tracks of development for some of these players. So the one thing that, that I take out of this one discussion with you, Mitch, is that you know we're going to see much of the same uh, next year for Hawthorne, and that's going to be potential and adjustment in roles throughout the year. So from a fantasy perspective, um, don't be con- considering that the Hawthorne players are locked into one particular position for the year, which could then uh, impact their scoring. So that's the one thing I'll take away from this, is that you know, development is still on the way and still uh, very much involved at Hawthorne. Already on to the next one, so this is former Hawthorne player now, Tom Mitchell. Uh, he could be in for a huge boost in the Collingwood midfield this season. Your thoughts there? I think it's a great move for Collingwood, and I think it's a great move for Tom Mitchell. I think it's a great move for Tom Mitchell as well. Um, do Collingwood really need him? Well, Craig McRae, every time he speaks, talks about the lack of centre bounce uh, work and, and how they've been smashed at stoppage. So I think it, it probably does help them ultimately. But whose spot does he take? Because you've got Crisp who's come in and won a, a B&F, uh, Taylor Adams. Then you're trying to get midfield minutes into Dugowie. Nick Dacos will probably have to push through there at stages. I think one thing that was probably underrated a bit at Collingwood this year was that Scott Pendlebury, we loved him as a halfback to start of the year, but he probably was... Um, a, a more of a mid as the year unfolded. So was maybe Pendlebury, yeah. So maybe maybe it's Pendlebury that goes back, and it's Mitchell. It's it's those minutes that Mitchell takes. Yeah. Um, I, I still think Tom Mitchell's got a lot to offer as an AFL player. Um, and just got got to get the balance right. Lipinski is the other one I've probably forgotten in there as well. So, um, yeah. But but the one thing that I. I for Collingwood fans' sake, is I hope that doesn't happen, is that Mitchell comes in and it robs Dugowie of midfield minutes um, because I think we saw his final series as, a, as a more of a midfielder. Um, yeah. He's got a lot of upside if he can get his body right and, and stay out of trouble um, December, January. Yeah, just McStay sort of coming in, sort of, you know, constantly push yeah. Dugowie back into that middle of the ground. Lipinski potentially goes out onto a wing. And I think you're right. I think we, I think he does... Like, he's... McRae, Craig McRae's... Initial thought, firstly, as coach, was to put Pendlebury at half-back. So I think he does revisit that. So I think that's where that fits in. But you can't really have um, – maybe you can, but Adams and um, then Mitchell, you know, similar type players in there maybe. Then you can have one distributed like your your, your flash um, type player like the Goeys, the third in there. I think his centre bounces to Goeys will be strong again next season. Yeah, and then if Penelope goes back to half-back, then we see Chris probably as a pure mid as well. Um, 
Um, the other thing we haven't really discussed is their forward line as well. Like, how do all these players fit in? Um, you know, McCreary, Ginevan, Hill, McStay. Uh, I think Kruger they love, and they've given him every opportunity when his body has been right. Ash Johnson. Um, there's got so many guys to fit in there. Hoskin Elliott, does he still have a role to play? Um, their, their, their forward line is as much of a watch as their, their midfield, I reckon. Hey, and then obviously the one Nick Dacos, you know, he could be, yeah. you know, that sort of fast movement, avoid type traffic and get the ball out of that centre bounces there as well. So interesting watch, definitely. And yeah, obviously players coming in does change the dynamic a little bit at, at a club. And that's what's going to happen with Tom Mitchell into that midfield at Collingwood. Already on to the next one. So Jager Amira, he departs Hawthorne there as well. So uh, he should complement the young midfield uh, at Fremantle. So that you know that adds to Brayshaw and Sarong and provides them more experience. Obviously, Monday goes out as a retirement, but yeah, he's that sort of replacement there. But that's going. I think Amira coming in is a really good um, sort of buffer for those younger type mids. Thoughts there? Yeah, it's a nice buffer. Um... I just hope doesn't rob Neil Erasmus and Matt Johnson for, for midfield minutes. They invested a lot in those two players as yep. first-round picks. The Dockers are um, to or last year's draft. Um, we didn't see either of them get a great deal of opportunity this year, and that, they're still developing. They're going to be uh, good long-term players for Dockers. But, yeah, the buffer is a nice way to put it, I think. Yeah, the Monday role, um, O'Meara can come in and, and play that. Um, you've got Sarong, Brayshaw, Brody. Um, around the mark. Amir is a nice midfield um, point of difference uh, from what they had this year, but he doesn't really have another secondary role. So yeah. um, that's my only my only fear for the Dockers is that Amira coming in uh, could rob minutes for Erasmus or Matt Johnson. And they got Brody there as well. Yeah, yeah, and um, had a super season. Yeah, um, he he could be up against it actually really, really quickly here if Amira comes in and takes starts taking his minutes because you want to develop those guys. And the one thing that that obviously we're throwing around some ideas here and some thoughts into next season, but the one thing that when you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking back to is that well, this fifth interchange, if we're going to get it, it, that's, it could change a lot of our thoughts maybe. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of what we're saying now is that it could eventuate with that fifth interchange because obviously we're saying, you know, sometimes you've got really deep mids and some dynamic uh, changes at some teams, but this this fifth interchange could change a whole stack. Your thoughts are... Yeah, clubs are going to... It's going to be interesting to see which way they go with it, whether it's, you know, do they go for a pure second ruck? Do they go for an extra runner? Do they... You know, Luke Beveridge, you and I are fascinated with his uh, press conferences... But am I right in saying that, you know, he said, if you give me a fifth, I won't really use it that much? You know, yeah. you know when he, he, he threw his, threw his uh, constant pleas to the AFL. So, you know, does his mindset change when it actually if it actually comes in? Absolutely. So, yeah, and then if it's four plus the one, you know, do we see what Brisbane did and, and sort of go with the Darcy Fort model of the ruck? Um, yeah, I, I can't remember. You know, I probably say this every year, but I can't remember an off-season with the different coaches – uh, different roles up for grabs. There's players that have been traded, plus the sub and the interchange um, yeah, whole situation there. So many balls are up in the air, and that's exciting as a footy fan going in next year. Plus to mention the extra game of home and away footy next year. Um, yeah, it's it's exciting time to be a footy fan, I think. Just on that interchange, uh, when it started to evolve in the mid 
early 2000s. Um, so pretty much it was, from what I could gather, it was under Mick Moldhouse. They started to increase their rotations and they were going from you know, minimal interchanges up to, I think it was about 150, 160. And it was just a yep. spin of the midfielders to, you know, to rotate. So I think from listening to Mick Moldhouse and, and the way they won their premiership, Back in 2010, it was born from the idea of watching ice hockey and the, the rotations of, you know, a, a set of players going off the ice and a set of new players, fresh players that can give energy back onto the ice. And I think that's where that idea was uh, born from, from Collingwood to increase their interchanges. And obviously, we've seen a cap come back in. So I just want to yeah. bring it forward to next season. Is that if we do go to five on the interchange, is that going to you know spin more mid midfielders, i.e. back to what we did see say 15 years ago with regards to a new set of mids coming onto the ground to provide that extra run and effort early? Yeah, I think everything's on the table, isn't it? And then you you sort of look at that that Mick Malthouse era. I think they would have been using 100, 110 plus interchanges per game from from memory. Now you've got as you say the caps at 75 and. And Kyle has really pushed that, or they have pushed that with four. So if it is five, then we may see maybe more impact players being used as well. Or, you know, maybe a bit like the, the rugby league where so you can only make so many, I don't know the exact number, but you can only make so many um, changes per game where, you know, a, a cap of 75, if it remains that way with five on the bench, you know, you're going to see guys spending long extended periods on the bench and maybe that Luke Beveridge model, of, of him basically saying, oh, I'll use it, my four, and then I'll have the fifth there on standby. Um, you may see clubs, if it is five on the bench, you may see them basically use a four plus the sub anyway, um, given the, the number of cap, uh, the cap number there is. Much to uh, decipher over the preseason, that's for sure. And obviously, we've got to take into what decision is made with that interchange there as well. All right, we'll get on to the last one here. So Lloyd Meek should get a fair chance to take that number one ruck position at Hawthorne with his trade from Fremantle. I was thinking about this during the week. How would you feel if you're Max Lynch? So you go from Collingwood yeah. and you, you go from second behind Grundy where they're not really using the, the second ruck. Um, then you go to Hawthorne to go in and try and partner um, Ned Reeves and a bit of McAvoy. McAvoy retires. They go and get a, a pure ruck who, from all reports and, and everyone you talk to at Hawthorne they, they see as a as a best twenty two player with Reeves and as Meek. So Max Lynch may have to bide his time again. So I think you can commit to the Hawks playing two pure rucks. Yeah. Um, my only query on Meek is that well, I think Meek's more of a forward than Reeves is. Um, but he hasn't shown great qualities as a forward. Um, happy to be proven wrong there. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they use those two guys there. But I think Meek, yeah, I think Meek uh, comes in and plays a lot of minutes for Hawthorne. Excellent. Thanks for your thoughts on those, Mitch. So um, thanks for joining the pod. And can you let the listeners know where to find you? You can find me on Seven News most nights uh, around six forty in the Sport Break, or on Twitter, Cleary underscore Mitch. And uh, no, thanks for having me on board, Pete. I must stress that. We are talking, you know, in November, so things are up in the air. All my thoughts around midfield rotations and, and player roles and stuff could be thrown completely out of the window if there's injuries or players return from pre-season out of shape or coaches have a change of heart on roles. So um, this is just our best uh, guesstimation at the moment, um, but it's an exciting time, as I said, to, to be a footy fan and watch it unfold into to round one. 
Yeah, certainly things do evolve quite quickly. And once we hit back into pre-season, which is only a couple of weeks away, uh, yeah, obviously a lot more information. And again, things will evolve very quickly out of that for sure. All right, Mitch, all the best. And we look forward to catching up with your news information on Twitter and Channel 7, of course. Thanks, Pete.